0: The great Russian novel Anna Karenina begins with one of the most famous sentences in world literature. All happy families are alike. Each unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. If there is any doubt which type of family Leo Tolstoy's 800-plus page novel will be about, we need only read the next paragraph, which begins, All was confusion in the Oblonsky's house. The wife had found out that the husband was having an affair with their former French governess, and had announced to the husband that she could not live in the same house with him. So yes, we're going with unhappy. And Tolstoy seems to be saying, or at least implying, that there are many stories to tell about unhappiness, while happiness, well, happiness isn't much of a story at all. And it's not just Tolstoy. Look at that famous phrase appended to too many fairy tales, and they lived happily ever after. Happiness is the end of the story, and they lived happily ever after The end. They all got happy and, well, what more is there to say? Doesn't it seem like happiness, which many of us pursue, or at least are encouraged to pursue with great vigor, doesn't it seem like happiness should have more substance to it? If it is the goal of our lives, I just want to be happy. And our deepest wish for others, I just want you to be happy. There should be something to say about it. Now granted, I come from a family and a background that was always slightly suspicious of happiness. I realize this is a vast generalization, but I think some of it comes from my Midwestern, Scandinavian, rural small-town roots. This underlying suspicion of happiness was made especially clear to me when my father had a heart attack. I was in my early 20s, and he was not much older than I am now. It was a mild heart attack from which he recovered fairly quickly, but it was, of course, upsetting at the time. He had been at a Sons of Norway meal and dance the night before with my mother and her mother, my grandmother. Discussing the experience a few days afterward, my grandmother said, I was worried something bad might happen. He was so happy and dancing and so lively that night. And just to be clear, though my father may have had a beer with dinner, this was not about an alcohol-induced happiness. My grandmother was talking about the very state of happiness. He was so happy, I was worried. He was so happy that some balancing hardship was bound to occur in her worldview. Now you may understand why I had to laugh at and identified so strongly with Victor Laval's character in the reading, who says, Do you know how much harm happily ever after has done to mankind? I wish they said something else at the end of those stories. Instead, they tried to be happy, or eternal happiness is a fruitless pursuit. What do you think? To which the other character replies, You're definitely Norwegian. My grandmother was definitely Norwegian. And it is not that we are a glum or somber people. My family and relatives loved to laugh and laughed a lot around my grandmother's kitchen table. Granted, it was sometimes a dark humor. But what a gift to be able to laugh through even hard times and amid hard things and though I don't subscribe to my grandmother's particular theology that one should try to moderate the intensity of one's happiness to guard against the responding, balancing hardship to follow, I do agree that life is change, and that happiness, like all emotions and states of being, is transitory. I agree with Laval's character. There is no such thing as happily ever after, and eternal happiness is a fruitless pursuit. Garrison Keeler, who is famously familiar with the cultural background of which I speak, says, We come from people who brought us up to believe that life is a struggle, and if you should feel really happy, be patient. This will pass. It will pass. Everything does. But this means to me that I can trust that unhappiness, too, will pass. Novelist William Styron points out in his memoir describing his own struggle with depression that people can put up with a great amount of pain if there is a certainty that it will end, that there will be a break, that things will change. He writes, it is hopelessness even more than pain that crushes the soul. So as much as we may want to grab and hold on to happiness, the fact that our feelings are transitory can actually be seen as a blessing. This, whatever I am feeling, will pass and turn into something else. The other illusion that comes along with happily ever after is the idea that happiness is inextricably tied to circumstances or achievements. This happened, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then finally this happened, and so they lived happily ever after. Now listen, favorable circumstances certainly contribute to my sense of well-being just as unfavorable circumstances challenge it. But I have found within myself a confounding ability to be unhappy or uneasy when all outward signs would suggest that I should be happy and joyful, as well as sometimes feeling happiness or content in the midst of troubling events in my life. I wake up some mornings with a sense of joy or engagement with my life and realize that the day before I had not felt that way and realize also that as far as I can tell, there has been no significant change in my circumstances or in what's going on around me. How to account for this? Something about perspective? Perspective? Chemicals in the body, a good sleep, a focus on gratitude, I don't know for sure. But on those days when I am feeling unhappy or uneasy, I try to remind myself that I have felt that before. And it passed. Further, one of the stories that is told about unhappy people, theres a shout-out to Mr. Tolstoy, One of the stories told has to do with the person who does everything and achieves everything that is supposed to and everything they believe will make them happy, that will lead to happily ever after. You know the stories. They become famous for their achievements. They defeat a monster, literal or figurative. They become rich, obtaining the proverbial goose that lays the golden egg. They gain power and prestige. They marry the person of their dreams. They do what they are supposed to do to be happy. And yet, alas, they are not happy. Don't get me wrong, circumstances matter. Poverty is real. Injustice is real. Oppression is real. Isolation is real. Depression is real. Circumstances such as these need to be addressed. But circumstances do not guarantee happiness. And happiness, when it comes, does not last. And happily ever after is not real, not only because happiness does not last forever, but also because happily ever after Ends the story. And if, as if, as if, as Michelle Obama writes, as if at some point you become something and that is the end. In real life, there are no endings. I mean, yes, there are endings, but multiple endings. And each ending holds a beginning, as T.S. Eliot pointed out. What we call a beginning is often the end, and to make an end is to make a beginning. The end is where we start from. Part of the artificial nature of ending a story with happily ever after has not only to do with happiness, but with the artificial nature of endings. There is no end to the story. Even the end of a person's life does not end the influence they have had on others, does not end whatever kind of legacy they leave behind, does not end the stories of the many people they encountered in their lives, and so the story continues. The end of a story is not really the end of the story, but simply the place where the storyteller or author decides to stop telling the story. I've mentioned before how much I love sequels. Probably one of the reasons I'm a fan of science fiction and mysteries, because they abound in multi-volume series of books that continue the story and characters from one book to the next. I love sequels because they seem to capture the reality that no matter where we decide to end a book, the story continues. I reach the end of a novel, and no matter how satisfying or moving or engaging the last chapter, the last page, the last paragraph may have been, I enjoy at least entertaining the question for myself, What then? What happened next? Beyond my reading enjoyment, I think our failure to ask these questions in a wider context our tendency to accept artificial endings has real-world consequences. I want to echo the question that my Norwegian counterpart from the reading asked. Do you know how much harm happily ever after has done to mankind? We are, for instance, taught history as if endings really existed. Lincoln freed the slaves, and they all lived happily ever after. Women were granted the right to vote, and they all lived happily ever after. The Civil Rights Movement lasted from this time to this time, and the Voting Rights Act was passed, and they all lived happily ever after. The labor movement abolished child labor and secured an eight hour workday and they all lived happily ever after. The American Disabilities Act was passed and they all lived happily ever after. The Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage and they all lived happily ever after. What happened then? What happened next? We are sold the idea that the stories of these struggles have defined endings. And so many of us, especially white, heterosexual, cisgender, middle class, temporarily able-bodied males, are somewhat befuddled when we find this is not the case. We are only now beginning to read the real stories, including the sequels to these struggles and to realize that the stories are still unfinished and the struggles have continued right up to this very moment. There is no happily ever after. I mean, I'm sorry, but nobody gets married and lives happily ever after. (laughs) Can I get an amen? Because relationships are hard. It doesn't mean you won't experience happiness, but it does mean your story of challenge and struggle and growth continues. Just as no one finds a congregation and lives happily ever after, community is hard. Covenant takes practice. Doesn't mean you won't experience happiness, but it does mean your story of challenge and struggle and growth continues. No one becomes prosperous or successful, or accomplished, or free, or accepted, or liberated, or attains any of a number of things that are supposed to bring about happy endings, and lives happily ever after, because being human is hard. doesn't mean you won't experience happiness, but it does mean your story of challenge, and growth, and struggle, it means your story continues. The reason that there are no stories about the happy families in Tolstoy's imagination is because they don't exist. To be described as happy, to be and stay happy, they would have to exist in some sort of freeze frame which has nothing to do with actual existence. As if, to paraphrase Obama, as if at some point they become happy and that is the end. So there's the hard news. We don't get to grab and hold on to happiness once and for all. It is not an achievement or a destination, but rather a grateful realization of our very existence and our connection to others and to life itself. And it can visit us quite beyond our control in many different forms and through many different vehicles and at many different and even unlikely Times. this means we can't produce happiness at will but it also means that it is available that it exists as a potentiality no matter what we are going through no matter how hard it, life is happiness may be glimpsed even in the struggle And we are going through some things right now, aren't we? It is time to let go of fake endings and to engage in whatever ways we can with the ongoing story of humanity in this time and this place, this present moment, which may be best described with another famous opening line from a storyteller named Charles Dickens. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I am glad to be sharing this part of the story with all of you.